We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey there, and welcome back to Work Less, Earn More. In today's episode, we are going to do the February Income and Time Report. So I'm going to be sharing with you all of the numbers for February, exactly how much my company earned in revenue, how much our expenses were, and how much our net profit was. I'm also going to be focusing on a few highlights of some of the reasons why we made more or less money, the different things that performed maybe different than last month. And also in the expenses category, I'll be sharing with you some of our biggest expenses and why we chose to invest in those things. And then when we get into talking about my time, I'll share with you exactly how much time I spent working this month, why I worked that amount, and also some of the main projects that I focused my time on that contributed to our income. I'll also briefly touch on some things that I worked on last month that contributed to our profits this month. Before we get into any of that, I'm actually just going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. I worked a little bit more this month than normal, but there was a very good reason for that. We'll get into that later on in the episode. But before we do, let's cover the finances. All right. So in February of 2020, our gross profit for the month was $31,669. So just a little bit shy of $32,000. This was a little bit less than the previous month where we earned $37,000. And the main reason why it was less was because several months ago for Black Friday, we did a big promotion where we offered membership for just a dollar for a month. We had a lot of takers on that, but we also expected to have a big churn. Last month, we still had a lot of those customers and that really contributed to our revenue. The membership site brought in $20,000, whereas this month we have lost a lot more of those customers as we expected. And so the Startup Society revenue is down to $13,000. The other big contributor was the fact that as I'm recording this right now, it is February 28th, but some of our membership pay payments typically process on the 29th, 30th, and 31st of each month. Those payments, though, will be processing over the following three days from now, so they won't get credited to this month, which makes this month's revenue a little bit smaller simply because the month is shorter than average, and next month, being a longer month, will have a slightly larger revenue. A few other numbers that were different from last month include the YouTube ad revenue. This month it earned $8,000, whereas last month it earned only $6,800. The reason it was higher this month was just because we had several videos that performed really well. We got a lot more views and that meant that we earned more ad revenue. 
And then finally, in this month, we sold a little over $8,000 of our course channel launch, whereas last month we sold only $6,500 of channel launch. And the reason for that increase is primarily due to two things. One is that we improved the sales funnel for this product, but the other thing is that we added a payment plan that we are testing out currently that allows people to purchase the program for smaller monthly payments, more smaller monthly payments. So instead of just having to pay a lump sum at one time, they now can spread the cost of the program over a full year. So far, it seems like this new payment method is working really well. We are getting more conversions and we have seen an increase in our sales. By the way, that brings up an important point. All of the numbers that I am sharing with you are cash numbers, not accrual. So this is physical cash that was brought into the business, not money that we are expecting to get in future months. So even though we are now offering one of our premium programs, Channel Launch, for a smaller upfront payment, we still managed to bring in more cash from the program in this month. And we now have more future payments coming in in future months. All right, so that's all I'm going to say about our income for now. Let's move on to the expenses. Our total expenses for the month of February were $23,274, so a little over $23,000. Now, the first thing that I will point out, as I always do, is just that that number, $23,000, it does include the money that was paid to me in wages. And that amount is right around $5,000. And I would consider that to actually be part of our net profit. So the real expenses that we had were about $18,000 in February. In contrast to January, we spent a little bit less. In January, we spent $27,500. And considering my income, that would work out to about $22,500. So either way you look at it, we spent about $4,000 less than we did last month, which obviously is a great thing. And it means that our net profits were actually very similar to last month, even though our revenue was a little bit lower. Now let's go over some of our major expenses in the month of February. The first major expense was that of advertising and marketing. We are currently investing into Facebook ads. It definitely is an experiment at this point because we only started running them last month and it was for a product that we were selling this month. Last month, we made the biggest investment into the ads as we got the campaign started. Last month in January, we invested $3,700 into those ads. This month, we were mostly spending the money just on the ads themselves, and we spent $1,000 on Facebook ads. Now, I actually just got in the report on how the Facebook ads performed, and it really wasn't what we had expected. Right now, I'm going to finish going over our biggest expenses, but once I get through that and then we talk about the net profit, then I'm going to circle back around to spend a couple minutes talking about those Facebook ads and our return on investment. Our next big expenses were just payment processing fees. We paid out $230 to PayPal and $645 to Stripe. Those numbers are directly dependent on our gross sales, and they're pretty consistent from month to month. 
Okay, now there are many other expenses I could go into, but there are just a couple more that I would like to highlight. The most standout one was this month we spent $5,496 on software and subscriptions. Now, we typically spend a fair amount of money every month on software and subscriptions. Running an online business, that software is really what runs the business rather than having the expense of a storefront or of offices or of physical products. We have to pay for these subscriptions in order to be able to operate the business. But $5,496 is far more than we normally spend. We normally spend about $1,000 or less. The reason it was so high was because I finally decided to bite the bullet and pay for an annual subscription to ConvertKit instead of paying the monthly subscription. ConvertKit is what we use for email marketing, and with the number of subscribers we have, our monthly ConvertKit subscription is pretty expensive. But by upgrading to the annual subscription, you get 20% off of the annual subscription price, which means you get two months free. Now, because we're paying a lot every month, that meant that there were some pretty big savings that could be had there. But despite that, I've procrastinated investing in that premium subscription for quite some time now. Two reasons. One, just because that lump sum payment for an annual subscription was pretty hefty, about $5,000. And I didn't necessarily feel that I had an extra $5,000 that I could spare in any given month. And then the other reason was because for a while I was considering possibly switching to a different software for our email marketing. And I definitely didn't want to invest the substantial amount into an annual subscription of ConvertKit if we were in fact going to switch. But the longer we've used ConvertKit, the more confident I have become that it is absolutely what we want to be using. And we have enough money in the bank now that I was comfortable investing that $5,000, which over this next year will save us over $1,000. So I've done that. And that means that in future months, our software and subscription expenses will be a lot lower. The final expenses I'll highlight is the money that we paid out to our subcontractors. We paid a little over $2,000 for our administrative assistance and customer service, $2,300 to my business manager, and $17,072 for video editing and video production. So as I mentioned before, altogether our expenses added up to a bit over $23,000. Subtracting my wages from that, our net expenses would be about $18,000. And then if we subtract that $18,000 from our gross revenue of thirty-one, almost $32,000, then our net profit would be $13,400. So a bit over $13,000 for the month, which as I mentioned is only a little bit lower than January. Our net profits were just over $14,000. And I'm honestly pretty happy with that considering the fact that this was a short month. All right, now before we move on to talking about the amount of time that I spent working on my business this month, let's talk about those Facebook ads for a minute. So over the past couple months, we have invested some money into Facebook ads. We have both paid out money to the agency that is managing our ads, as well as the money for the ads themselves. The offer that we were advertising is our profit planning challenge, and we spent a total of $735 advertising the challenge, and that brought in just under 300 registrants to the challenge. 
Now, on top of those 300 registrants that the ads brought in, we also organically marketed the challenge to our current audience, and that registered another 900 people. So the challenge registrants were only a quarter of the registrants that we had for this last round of the challenge. On average, for those ads, it cost us $3.45 per registrant, which we felt pretty good about. Now, most aspects of this sales funnel worked really well. For example, the conversion rate on our landing page was 50%. And that means that 50% of the people who clicked on one of these ads and visited the registration page went on to register for the challenge, which is a great conversion rate. And that's what we saw throughout most of the processes in the sales funnel, except for one of them. And that was the process of actually converting the challenge participants into buyers. Now, obviously, this is a little bit embarrassing to admit, but it's the truth. This month, we didn't have that much success converting our challenge participants into members of Startup Society. In fact, we had about the worst success rate that we've ever had. Typically, with the challenge, we'll convert between 2 and 5% of them into members, and this month we converted just under 2%. And so what that means is that of these 300 people who we paid to run the ads to get to register for the challenge, only about six of them did in fact go on to become paying customers. Now, because these ads did have a pretty good cost per registrant, we will break even on the money spent on these ads, which of course is a good thing. Now, it might not sound like a very good thing because we didn't make money on them. We only broke even. But honestly, my philosophy on spending money on advertising is that as long as you're breaking even, that means you are advertising your business for free. You're growing your audience for free. You're growing your email list for free. You are building your credibility in the market for free. And I am happy to do that all day long. However, what makes this situation less than ideal is the fact that we did also spend almost $3,000 on the agency that is managing the ads for us. So first of all, I just have to say that I don't at all blame this failure to convert problem on the agency that's managing the ads. As far as we can tell, they are doing a fantastic job managing the ads. They got us a great conversion rate and the challenge participants were actually really engaged. We're not quite sure why the challenge didn't convert as well as it has sometimes in the past, but we can't really chalk it all up to the ads because the fact is that three quarters of the challenge participants were in fact people who signed up organically from our own audience. So we're still looking into trying to figure out exactly why the challenge didn't convert as well as we would have liked, but we are also simply actively brainstorming ways that we can improve that conversion rate because we really want to see the conversion rate closer to 5% because that's where we'll actually be profitable even considering the money that we're spending on the management of the ads. Since we do run the challenge pretty much every single month, in future income reports, I will definitely give you some updates on what we have done to improve the conversion rate and how the conversion rate is actually affected. This episode is brought to you by Startup Society. Building an online business can be a difficult and overwhelming process. It can also be lonely. One minute you feel inspired and confident that you'll succeed. And the next, you might wonder if you're even on the right path at all. If your audience is growing slowly, your revenue is small, and you're struggling to make sales, then I'd love to work with you on your strategy so that you can turn your online business into a real success. And that's where Startup Society comes in. 
Startup Society is an online membership community and training program for digital entrepreneurs. We created the program to provide real strategic business and marketing training to help people just like you build successful, profitable online businesses. As a member of Startup Society, every single month, you'll get access to a detailed step-by-step action plan that will show you exactly what you need to do to grow your business. You'll also attend live virtual coaching sessions with myself, become a member of our supportive mastermind community, and get unlimited access to our archives of past action plans. As a listener of this podcast, you can become a member for just $39 per month when you use coupon code WORKLESSEARNMORE. Again, that coupon is WORKLESSEARNMORE, and it's all one word. Please note that this offer is available for a limited time only. In building a business, there's so much to learn, so much to do, and often so little direction. Let's change that. Join Startup Society today for step-by-step guidance on the most direct way to turn your business idea into a money-making success. Just visit gillianperkins.com and click Join Startup Society in the upper right corner. We can't wait to start working with you. Okay, so I think that that is about enough talk about money. So let's move on and talk about how much I worked. Now, as I teased earlier on, I worked a little bit more this month than normal. I just pulled up my hourly log and it looks like in the month of February, I worked 110 hours, which works out to 27 and a half hours per week, considering that there were four weeks in this month. Now, of course, 27 and a half hours a week is nothing crazy. It's still far less than plenty of people work. But for me, it's more than normal. Normal for me is much more like 20 hours a week. However, I think I have a pretty good excuse. Hear me out. As you may have heard, maybe on Instagram or on YouTube, we're expecting another baby. This will be our fourth baby and I'm due in June. Now, of course, that's very exciting news, but from a very practical perspective, what that means in my business is that I'm probably going to want to take some time off for maternity leave. And in fact, I definitely do want to take some time off. I love having several weeks, if not a few months, to soak in the wonderfulness of having a new baby and just that newborn stage. With each of the past babies, I've tried to take maternity leave with varying degrees of success. It's gotten better every time, though. First baby was back when I was running a different business. I planned to take a couple months off, then all sorts of chaos happened, and I ended up going back to work after just four weeks, which was definitely not enough time. Baby number two came three and a half years ago when I was just starting to get this business that I run today really off the ground. It was a time when I was running two different businesses at once, and I took time off a couple months but I wasn't completely not working during that time. It was all right, but it wasn't ideal. With baby number three, I had my systems down, this business was running smoothly, and I managed to successfully take one month completely off, and then in the second month, I just worked a tiny little bit. It was very comfortable, it was really fantastic. With this baby though, I want to give myself even more of a cushion. 
I'm planning to set things up so that I don't have to do anything for three months after the baby comes. Now, knowing me, I'll probably still step into the office from time to time and do some things that are really on my mind that I'm excited about, but I don't want to have to do anything. Now, of course, what that means for this month and next month and the next couple months here is that I'm going to have to put in a little bit of extra time to prep for maternity leave. I'm not anticipating that it will be very much extra time. I'm not going to have to work 40 or 60 hours a week or anything crazy like that. But you might see a few more weeks over the coming months that are closer to 30 hours instead of my preferred 20 or so. This month, my hours were higher than normal every week, but they fluctuated a bit throughout the month. The first week of the month, I worked 26 hours. It was fine, a little bit more than normal, but fine. Then in the second week of the month, I worked 28 hours, and I definitely started to feel it. I was feeling a little bit tired at that point, a little bit overwhelmed. And then in week three of the month, that kind of continued. And in the first four days of the week, I worked 27 hours. By the time I was on day three of that week, I realized that I was a little bit out of control. I just put too much on my plate. We had planned too many projects for the month. And I decided that I was going to take Friday off and take a long weekend. So that's exactly what I did. I worked a little bit extra on that Thursday, putting in a total of seven hours and then took the long weekend off. And it was fantastic. Not only did it give me a little bit of time to get in some extra sleep and rest, but it also helped me to reset my mindset and realize that I needed to have a more structured schedule so that my work didn't continue to get out of control. So that weekend, I created a schedule to give myself that additional structure, make sure that I was keeping my time organized so that I wasn't working all sorts of crazy hours. But you know, something interesting happened because the following week, which was this past week, I did follow that schedule and it worked really well. And I felt so much calmer and less stressed out, less overwhelmed by my work. But I put in 29 hours of work. That is the most that I ever work. And it's crazy to me to think that I worked almost 30 hours this week and felt so relaxed, so on top of things. And it was all because I just taken about an hour last weekend to work up a simple schedule for myself that kept my work contained into specific working hours rather than just hacking away at it whenever I had the time. This is something that I definitely want to keep in mind in the future and something that I would recommend to you that you give a try if right now you're feeling like you work all the time. First of all, if you feel that way, please start tracking your hours. That is the number one thing that I find has the biggest impact on my feelings of overwhelm, simply making sure that I log my hours so I can see how much I'm actually working. But then the second thing is creating a simple schedule so that you're not working random hours each day, a little bit first thing in the morning, then throughout the day, and then last thing before you go to bed, because that just makes you feel like you're working all the time. Decide when you're going to wake up, decide when you're going to start working, and decide when you're going to stop, because that gives you so much more freedom outside of those working hours. On a slightly separate note, the most important thing is simply having the option of working less if you want to. As I mentioned earlier, this past month, I worked too much because I had put too much on my plate, not because I had to do these things. I could have run my business in about 10 hours a week, 
but we had decided to take on a few projects. I'm going to get into that in just a couple minutes when I talk about a few of the things that I spent time on this month. But I just want you to think about how you can structure your business, what you can shift in your business to make it so that you don't have to put in very much time each week. That's when you will really feel that freedom, when you won't feel overwhelmed, when you'll have the option to take a day off when you want to. Because aside from that week when I let my schedule just get out of control, overall this month, even though I worked more, I really wouldn't change that because I'm choosing to work more now because I've got some projects that are fun and I'm interested in and because I want to put in some extra time now so that I can take some time completely off in the future. Okay, so with that being said, the last thing we're going to cover in this episode is what I spent that time on. I'm obviously not going to go through everything, but just touch on a few of the projects that took most of my time. First of all, YouTube videos. This takes the largest chunk of my time every month. And in the month of February, I spent 22 hours creating YouTube videos, which is pretty standard. I normally spend five to six hours per week working on producing YouTube videos. As I believe I've mentioned in the past, right now we are producing two YouTube videos every single week, but only posting one of them. What I didn't mention was because the reason we're doing this is to prep for maternity leave so that I can spend zero hours a week making YouTube videos while I am on that vacation. When I come back from maternity leave, though, I will be spending a little bit less time every month producing YouTube videos because we won't be producing twice the number that we're posting. We will still definitely be trying to stay ahead so that we can take vacations whenever we need or want, but we will no longer be doing double time on that. The thing that took the next largest chunk of my time was creating podcast episodes. I spent 15 and a half hours on podcast episode creation this month, which is a little bit more than last month. This is something that I'm keeping pretty close tabs on because podcasting is new to me and I'm really curious about exactly how much of my time it takes and then about the results that it creates for the business. So yes, it took 15 and a half hours in the month of February. I think that there are two reasons why it took more time. First of all, because I produced more episodes this month. Just like with the YouTube videos, we are working on getting ahead with the podcast episodes so that I won't be recording podcast episodes during my maternity leave. And so I did produce a few more episodes this month than I did last month. The other reason why it took a little bit more time is because I'm not doing the editing myself. The podcast production company we're working with, Yellow House Media, is taking care of that. But I'm still reviewing every episode just for additional quality control since this is new to us. And also so that I can decide to cut anything out of any episode that I feel is unnecessary or boring. Okay, and there is one more thing that took a chunk of my time this month that I want to share with you. This was the extra unnecessary project. It took eight hours of my time, which is two hours a week, which was definitely a significant portion of the extra hours that I put in this month. Those eight hours were spent producing a new course. Last month, I had the idea for a new course I wanted to create called Video Creator Academy. This is a course all about how to make awesome videos for YouTube, videos that people really enjoy watching and will want to watch more of in the future. I had the idea for this course last month as we were working on improving our program, Channel Launch. Channel Launch is all about how to succeed on YouTube. 
strategies for getting your videos to rank better and to get more views and more subscribers. It's a great program, but I felt like there was something missing from it. As I have grown my channel and the more I have studied YouTube and as we've experimented with different things, I have just realized more and more the importance of creating great standout video content. That really is the basis of success on YouTube and the basis of your videos success, even outside of YouTube. Like how much of an impact are they going to have on building your business, building your brand or impacting the world? It really all comes down to how good, how interesting your videos are. So I was thinking to maybe add several more videos into channel launch and I realized it was just going to end up kind of bloating the program. It was kind of a rabbit trail. While these lessons on video creation are very important to being successful on YouTube, they're really addressing a different challenge than getting your videos to rank well on YouTube. And so I decided to, rather than stuffing them into the middle of the channel launch course, to break them out and create a brand new course that is focused specifically on video creation. So this month I sat down and put in eight hours to produce this course. It's not quite done yet. I would say we're a little bit more than halfway, but we did get nearly all of the videos filmed. And I'm really happy that we took care of that because it means that we'll be able to launch the new course in just a bit over a month from now. All right, well, that is pretty much everything for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed hearing what we earned in the month of February and also how much I worked. I'm also excited to have gotten to share the news with you that we are expecting a new baby. If you're wondering what's going to happen with the podcast, you're going to continue to get new episodes every single week because we are making sure that we are pre-recording some episodes to carry us through the summer while I'm on maternity leave. The one thing that I am going to do, the one piece of work that I'm going to do while I'm on maternity leave is I am actually planning to still pop into my office and record income reports for you guys because I think that they're going to be really interesting during those months when I'm really not working at all aside from that one hour when I'll sit down and record those episodes yet my business is going to continue to earn money. And I just really want to share those numbers with you so that you can see how incredibly powerful it is to build a business that's based on systems that continue to generate income, whether you're working or not. Before I say goodbye to you today, I just want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you happen to be listening on my website or somewhere else other than a podcasting app on your phone, then you'll need to look up Work Less, Earn More in a podcasting app. You can find this podcast in any podcasting app, whatever your favorite podcasting app is. If you don't already have a podcasting app on your phone, then you might try Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Once you have installed a podcasting app, you can just look up Work Less, Earn More, and then click the button to subscribe so you get free instant access to future episodes. One final thing that I want to share with you is that we have added a feature to GillianPerkins.com. It is a contact form that you can use to give us feedback on the podcast. So you can use this form to send in your ideas for future episodes, to share any comments you have with us about an episode that you've listened to, or to ask any questions you have about the podcast. You can find this contact form by going to GillianPerkins.com slash podcast and then clicking the get in touch button. 
If you are listening, then I would love to hear from you. If you have questions or comments, then using that contact form is the best way to share those with us. But if you're just generally enjoying the show and you want to share your feedback, then I would really appreciate if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews tell me you're listening, but they also do even more than that. They help give the show a bit of a boost so that when other people are considering maybe listening, they might be persuaded by your review to give listening to this podcast a try. Today's featured review comes from EJ Samuel, who wrote, Great job, Gillian. Keep up the good work. I like seeing entrepreneurs doing amazing work, and I want to congratulate you on the success of your show. Thank you so much, EJ, for taking the time to write that review. I really appreciate it. Okay, well, I am finally going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'll be back again next week, so I'll see you then. Bye.